Mano a Mano is a retrospective movie show for adults only, educational, satirical, transgressive. It's just entertainment. We'll not out to offend, but at the end of the day, Frank Zappa said it best. You either get it or you don't. Roll the tape. Welcome to Mano Mano, where men can be men. My name is Jonathan Astro, and with me, Ricky Allpine, a man who will shuffle your deck in ways you never knew possible, and Yuri, the pit boss, with eagle eyes, and for the next hour, he's going to watch Ricky doing card tricks using my deck. (laughs) Gentlemen, how are we? Good, very good. Good thing you're not, uh, not Kiwi. That last that last word would have been something else. Oh, with your deck. Ah, uh, yes. We know some Kiwis now. That's offensive. They don't like it when you make fun of their accent. Mm. Really? Well, they're going to get used to it. It's a silly accent. All right, Casino 1995 <laughs> is where we're at. We seem to be. We don't seem. We can't move off the 90s. We are marooned where we want to be. Martin Scorsese directs screenplay by Nicholas Pileggi uh, and Martin Scorsese based on Casino Love and Honor in Las Vegas by uh, Nicholas Pileggi. All right. Now, I'm assuming we had seen this movie before. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've seen, I have only seen it once before this. So. Well, that's good. We could, probably should rely on some of your responses then because Yuri's, you know, hasn't even achieved his final form, in t- <laughs> you know, when it comes to this movie. <laughs> He's like, he's just, it's in his bones, you know? <laughs> so we'll be relying on you a little bit. But, um. Do you guys like to gamble? Um, go to not the really. Casino? I hate it. No. 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 You just love watching other people in casinos. On, yeah. In movies. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, there's not as many fat people in this movie as there is in Las Vegas. True. And there are a, a lot of the, uh, uh, a lot of the dons and the gangsters and stuff are, you know, pretty weighty guys because they just sit around and eat food and yes, talk about true. their dealings. So this was a forty to fifty million dollar budget uh, box office. I was really surprised. Box office one hundred and sixteen million. I don't know why I was surprised, but it was because we've done so many that didn't do well. Yeah, and this one's this one did quite well. Yeah, that that's one hundred and sixteen worldwide. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, who knows how much they spent on marketing. But still, um, you know, it, it was a popular film. People went to see it. Mm. And we can get into some of the reactions later. But look, maybe before I get into the um, the synopsis, you know, what what where do you fit this on Scorsese's timeline yourself? Um, well, uh, yeah, I might as well start big. Um this time around, I, I finally realized what's wrong with this movie. After all those views, I finally realized what's wrong with it and why it's not Goodfellas. Okay. Um, but it's still, it's still up there. I mean, yeah, I, I think maybe Goodfellas is my favorite Scorsese. Um, then maybe, I don't know, Raging Bull, Taxi Driver... And th- this, uh, after this last viewing, this one has slipped down a little bit further than it used to be. So, is this like the bastard, like, cousin or something of of Goodfellas? 
Well, actually, um, I uh, listened to a making of um, feature about this, and I tried to record a little voice memo from Scorsese himself. Oh, God, where is this fucking thing? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Not that one. Not that one. <laughs> I'll leave that one in. <laughs> There's no doubt about it that it's a uh, kind of a sequel to uh, Goodfellas. Uh, uh, and not not, not direct sequel, but it deals with that world, but only on a bigger scale, and more a, a film of excess, a world of excess, and, and that that whole kind of thing of excess. And uh, I've got another one here as well, actually. Where you guess right? It's based on riffs in a way. You know, men talking, telling stories, going off on, on tangents and digressions. And how far could you go off on a digression and still bring it in? back in it, cut it to a certain point as fast, as fast, as fast, and then bring it back into the main line of the narrative. And that's always, uh, some people have agreed that that happened in the film, and others have said uh, that's one of the problems with the film, that it didn't happen. But it's a style that we kind of started in, in Goodfellas, and Nick and I, and, and so Nick and I took that style that we developed and took it to its furthest limits of shaping and shaping and shaping, with many asides taken through the narrative by the use of voiceover. So it was kind of, I had this revelation after watching it and it was actually good that he seems to pretty much be um, reinforcing what I thought was, I think it was, yeah, it's a de facto sequel to Goodfellas, but I think he's pushed the style way too far in this one. Um, and then it, 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 I think it just stops being as engaging. So I had a note where the first scene that people speak have more than a couple of lines back and forth is not until I think I wrote down 28 minutes into the movie and that where it's the first scene where it's it's still a very very short scene I think it still goes for less than a minute and the first scene that's and of any sort of decent sort of length isn't until after the one hour mark mm. up until then it's uh, mainly montage, and, and I mean back and forth lines, as in um, actual dialogue as opposed to voiceover. Up until then, it's basically a montage of music and slow motion and voiceover, with the odd kind of actual, like you know, actual dialogue thrown in here and there within each scene, and then you're on to the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one. Yeah, and um, I think the reason why he's done that is to basically it's almost to, to show off the um or to complement the the excesses and the style and the pace of casinos of las vegas of this kind of lifestyle and when the the first scene that really slows down is the one where uh, ginger is asking for money but she won't tell him why and it's after that the movie kind of really slows down and kind of gets back to a much more normal pace where you know, the glitz is kind of worn off and you're starting to deal with, you know, some of the real things left over after the, you know, the, the um, triviality of this lifestyle is worn off. But, yeah, that, that was to Isn't me that kind great? of... Isn't that great? Didn't you just talk yourself into it being great? <laughs> well, I mean, having said all this, it's still a fucking great movie. <laughs> That's true. Before we dig, before we dig any deeper... You want to film. hear what it's about? Yeah, we, we <laughs> okay. should do we should do the synopsis. I was a hell of a handicapper, I can tell you that. I had it down so good that I ran paradise on earth. I had one of the biggest casinos in Las Vegas to run for Tangiers. 
You know, if I did it, I'd have to run it my way. Nobody's gonna interfere with you running the casino, I guarantee it. Vicky, you're a guy. Make a lot of money for us. So keep a good eye on it. All right. Look at this place, it's made of money. What do you think about me moving out here? I just gotta tell you, it's no joke out here. You gotta keep a low profile. Right off the bat, they don't like guys like us. Your money a lot, yes, don't a you? Lot. Don't you? Well, how about that? Yeah. Oh, I want to settle down. I want a family. You got the wrong girl. You'll be set up for the rest of your life. You don't know me. What do you know me to three months? They had it all. They ran the show. And it was paradise while it lasted. They found a guy's head in the desert. That's no good. We got a problem. He doesn't listen to me. Maybe he should get lost for a while. Take a vacation. Can't make it any clearer, Sam. I would just get out. I tried to do everything for you, even though I knew deep down inside you would bury me. I buried you. You buried yourself. I have to be able to trust you with my life. Can I trust you? Can I trust you? I will go to the FBI. I will go to the police. I am not protecting you anymore. me to get out of my own town? You only exist out here because of me. He's a loose cannon. No! Stop it! You realize what you can do? You can get us all killed? You want to get rid of me? Here I am. Go ahead, get rid of me. All right, okay, let's familiarize ourselves. The film opens in 1982 with casino boss Sam Ace Rothstein being blown up by a car bomb. We flash back 10 years to where it all began. Uh, Because of his stellar record as a handicapper and a moneymaker for the mob, Sam is put in charge of the Tangiers Casino, where he presides over everything large and small, but without an official gaming license. His childhood friend and ferocious mob enforcer, Nicky Santoro, is tasked with making sure no one lays a finger on Sam. Sam's main job is uh, not so much the day-to-day operations of the casino, but really to make, uh, well, to protect the intricate skim operation that is in place at the Tangiers. In short, the mob has a crew of guys inside the count room and is bleeding cash from the place. So, uh, while Sam focuses on maximizing profits, Nicky goes to work on the streets of Las Vegas. He robs and cheats and st- robs, cheats and steals everything he can, and violently does away with anyone in his path. Nicky predictably gets himself banned from every casino in Vegas and is watched like a hawk by the authorities. Sam falls hard for a former prostitute called Ginger, played by Sharon Stone, and makes a an arrangement with her, hoping that she will eventually develop feelings for him. He marries her and guarantees to her that any, even if they break up, she will be set up for life. Problems begin almost immediately as Ginger is still in love with lowlife pimp and scamster called uh, Lester Diamond, uh, played by James Woods, who Sam springs trying to get 25 grand out of Ginger. Sam has him beaten up, which sends Ginger further into a spiral of drink and drugs. Uh, Sam fires uh, an incompetent casino floor employee who happens to be related to the county commissioner, uh, uh, a guy by the name of Pat Webb. Uh, And then uh, Webb goes to see Sam... Uh, to appeal for his uh, brother brother-in-law's job back but sam holds firm uh, webb has the authorities begin looking into sam's background and his lack of gaming license uh, also 
Sam goes to court but is denied and rather than go quietly, he begins hosting a television program directly from the Tangiers, Aces High, and generally begins to become more and more loud and flamboyant. He complains that Nick that Nikki's wild actions uh, have brought down heat on them all uh, and Nikki confronts him in the desert uh, about his complaints. Nikki doesn't kill Sam, but he makes it clear that he runs Vegas and not to go over his head again. The mob back home in Chicago are frustrated to find out that their skim operation is being skimmed, so they ask a, a underboss called Adi Piscano. Uh, uh, um, they, they task him uh, with the job of pulling everyone into line. Artie's annoyed at, at having to outlay cash to go back and forth from Vegas. So against orders, he begins to take detailed records of the expenses. There's already a wire in his grocery store relating to an old murder. Uh, but when the feds hear information relating to the dodgy running of the Tangiers, they open a full investigation. Ginger is now out of control with Lester, and with Lester, she tries to flee to Europe uh, with hers and Sam's daughter. She returns, but overhears... Uh, but Sam overhears her talking about wanting him dead, so he kicks her out of the house. Ginger cries on Nikki's shoulder, and the pair begin a torrid affair. Sam discovers the affair and is worried for both of their lives. Uh, that's his and, and Ginger's lives. Ginger lies about cooling off and instead gets more involved with Nikki, eventually asking uh, to have Sam killed, which ends the relationship with Nikki. Ginger finally leaves Sam and takes off with her money. She's picked up by the feds, but she doesn't talk. But by then it's too late. They have all the evidence they need. The feds close the Tangiers and arrest the mob bosses, which triggers a wave of murders. Basically anyone who can testify against them. This includes all the guys included in the count, uh, the count uh, skim op room sk skim operation. Uh, Ginger subsequently dies by a hot dose of heroin, but it's unclear if, the hit, if it was a hit or not. A car bomb explodes under Sam's car, but uh, but he manages to escape, and it's clear that Nikki ordered the hit. Finally, Nikki and his brother Dominic are murdered uh, for their recklessness, including Nikki uh, messing around with Sam's wife uh, and the attempt on Sam, uh, uh, Sam's life. The mob is booted out of Vegas, and the corporations take over, and Sam is right back where he started, a professional gambler who knows the score. Okay. Long. <laughs> mm. Very long. That's just that's the plot though. That's the plot. Yeah. Like you can't. I mean, it's all. That's what they wanted. So <laughs> now I got a couple of things. Just quickly, I never. I wasn't paying attention enough uh, of the hundred and fifty million times I've seen this. I never really paid attention that Ginger Ginger's death was most likely a hit. I just thought she just died like of, of heroin. But really, before just before in the scene before, she's like going no 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 as if she's been held down or something. Oh. Um, uh, and. So I think it's probably uh, now, when I watch it now, I go, "Oh, yep, she was they killed her." Um, and also, I never really I took it for granted that Nikki is trying to be the number one guy in Vegas. I never really I didn't know what the fuck he was doing. I yeah. never really questioned yeah. it. I was just he was just a maniac. Mm. But then this time, I'm like, "Oh no, he wants to be number one, and that's that takes a certain amount of like he's going to have to take on all those." those bosses and stuff or, or their their proxies eventually but, but what does he do it does he sell drugs does he skim does he, he steals he mainly. steals yeah he's not into drugs he steals he's, it's robberies jewelry and and uh, scamming the casino so like old-fashioned scams he'd he'd have people people doing signals at the table so he could just get so, get so he was running those guys no not those guys he was doing his own stuff oh. and he would just plant guys in the casino as well. What do you reckon? And, and also other times where uh, he, he would take on, like he'd go to the casino and gamble. And then if he came out on top, he'd cash out and, and make them give him the chips. 
if he lost, he just wouldn't pay. Oh, he he also made uh, did that to bookies as well. So he would. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He yeah. would he would gamble. Sorry, he was doing that to bookies, not at the casinos. Yes, yeah. yes. And, but he but he did it at the casino though, because he goes he goes hit me, and they give him a card, and then yeah. he goes stick this up your ass, yeah, and then he goes yeah. hit me again, stick this one up your sister's ass <laughs> <laughs> to the butte. Oh, look at this butte. <laughs> Who is? He was apparently uh, actually a real. Uh, he was a non-actor. He was actually a, a casino shuffler, yes. a dealer. Sorry, he yeah. said he'd met the real guy. That dealer said he met the real Nicky, mm. and he said he was much yep. scarier. <laughs> and also, <laughs> did way, um, way worse stuff. From the uh, you know the two guys that they catch at the beginning who are sending those signals to each other. Yes. Um, the guy with the glasses whose hand they don't break, mm. it's the first AD. Oh, great performance. That, is that the best first AD performance uh, since Bloodsport? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. That Bloodsport guy, he was, he was something else. He made guy. the movie. He's the guy, when you step out of the light into the narrow corridors, it's time to protect your nuts, guys. Oh, that's the, the, the main Asian dude that we yes. love. You're Jackson? You look like yes, Jackson. Yes, he's awesome. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> this guy, um, you know, first ADs do, can surprise you, you know. I'm pretty sure Bob from Twin Peaks is, is, a, is uh, an AD as well. Right. Um, so, but this is great. That guy's great They're in the in that in this scene. The cheater. He's like, you know, you can leave here, you know, with the money. <laughs> the with hammer. the money or your thumb. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Yeah. And, and then he just goes like he's he's so scared, so wonderfully yeah. scared. Look what they did to my hand, man! All right, I'm going to give you a choice. You can either have the money and the hammer, or you can walk out of here. You can't have both. What do you want? I just want to get out of here. And don't forget to tell your friends what happens if they fuck around here. You understand? I'm sorry, I made a bad mistake. You're fucking right you made a bad mistake. Because if you come back here, we catch either one of you, we're going to break your fucking heads and you won't walk out of here. You see that fucking saw? We're going to use it. You don't fuck around in this place. You got it? Yeah. Get out of here. Thank you. Well, you mentioned voiceover before, and that's, that's one of my bugbears of this film, is that there's so much voiceover, and it goes... Like that first hour or so, it's so much voiceover... Yeah. Um, that I, I just I really can't stand it. But also, the the voiceover swaps between De Niro and Joe Pesci. But then at two hours and twenty two minutes, that mobster bagman has Frank. one has one scene where he does voiceover. Why not? That's just ludicrous. Why did that need to happen? Well, this is an example of. I mean, I love it. I've always loved it because I mean it, they do it in, in Goodfellas as well because we hear his wife as well at one point. You know, she says, I was. T- I had to admit I was turned on, um, Henry's wife. So he, they are playing with narration. The narration is, ta- is really experimental in this film. And there's two things. So Frank t- talking is great um, in that one scene. And then, and I found this out uh, this a long time ago because I had a, a, a 5.1, is it's Nikki getting killed on the, on the, th- in the narration. Which is brilliant. So he's talking, he says, he's going blah, blah, blah. He's talking and then he goes, ah, like in the booth and on the screen. Because I've, I've actually had a, a version of it where you could take the take the um, narration off. Uh, it was an old DVD. And I did it by accident one day and I heard him screaming on the screen. But then when I put the narration back on, he screams on the, in the booth as well. So, he, so he's narrating, it makes it like Sunset Boulevard or American Beauty where he's narrating a movie where he's dead. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? And he get, and so that's quite brilliant, you know? Well, no, no, not quite, because he we hear him die. In, he dies during the narration, actually. Yes, yes, that's what I mean, yeah. So he's so narrating he's be- right up to the point where he dies. Yeah. You're right, you're right, absolutely. We don't hear him after Cause, that. Cause it, yeah, because yes, in, in American Beauty, he goes, he's, he's already dead. Yes. And he's retelling the story. But in this one, we're with him in the voiceover yes. as he dies as he dies he goes ah in voiceover yes. when he gets hit <laughs> he goes ah it, that, that's right and it makes it like sopranos so um uh well other way around but 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 i just think that the, the you know i mean you, you you can you can definitely from a formalist perspective you obviously all of this sucks you'd say why isn't it just one voice why is there so much of it but he is he, they're trying to make it like music they're really playing with it and the stuff that i like most about scorsese i suppose is his is his french new wave geekery I love I love that. I love it when you know he gets playful and because mob movies that don't have a guy who knows all about Godard and 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 all of this really playful stuff that they would do with their camera and everything, which is where all that stuff comes from. Like guys that do these straight mob movies, like I don't care about fucking Road to Petition and whatever. You know what I mean? I know you got a soft spot for fucking dare you <laughs> know, it's fine it's fine okay it's fine but it doesn't it's not like this like you know the stuff he, this guy loves cinema and he just he just like everything is it's it's so much geekery in there like using uh saul bass to do the credit sequence you know That's link, good. Yeah. links it to to cinema cinema history links it to vertigo and all these great films you know having lq jones as the um the pat uh the commissioner who who goes to get his his son, brother-in-law's um job back he's he's like a a peck and par cowboy a bad guy you know so these sorts of things are what make it so great you know he had a bunch of comedians so um don one rickles. of the senators yeah don rickles kevin pollock who was actually started as a stand up and um, i never knew he was funny until way later in life yeah i know yeah cuz i i mainly knew him as <laughs> Well, first the guy from A Few Good Men, and then like yes. this guy in the side. And it's uh, Usual Suspects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that came a little bit later. Yes. But, um, yeah, one of the Smothers brothers is one of the senators who's at the Senate hearing. And he's great. He's the guy because he goes, he goes, he goes. Did, was I at that dinner with you? Yeah. Was I? Was I? At least tell me. Yeah. Was I at that dinner? He goes, you were at the dinner. And he goes, oh, yeah. okay, great. <laughs> so, like three comedians not doing anything even remotely comedic. Well, they, but then I've heard Frank Vincent talk about um, how he think he says that he and Joe Pesci come from a comedic background. They consider themselves sort of comedic performers. Oh, and okay. I heard Thelma Shoemaker talking about a lot of Nikki's lines being really funny because they did, they, on the narration, they rewrote it, a lot of it in post, obviously. So mm. um, it's very different in the script and so they've just they've tailored it to and refined it and and she and she comments that a lot of joe pesci's things are quite are quite funny yeah i mean pesci has always kind of been quite funny but that's also what's made him even more terrifying yes because of that crazy switch and you don't know when he's joking and when he's not so it could be a joke or he could be about to sh- murder you mm. i see you you fucks you <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what what do you think of Joe Pesci stroking that woman's hair after he shoots her in the head? What a creeper! <laughs> that scene's crazy. Anna Anna Scott or whatever her name is the 
the silent partner of Green, and just mm. coming in, shooting her a million times in, in, in the, the kitchen. Head. Just dull yeah. shots and then just leaving it. Why is he even leaving her st- sitting up? Why? And why does he stroke stroke her hair? Like, Well, it's what makes it interesting. Like, you know, I guess he does a lot of weird stuff <laughs> in it. <laughs> well, I mean, a, a shittier version would be for, for, them, for him to have shot her and then to go, oh, she felt funny, like in fucking The Departed. Oh, God, don't talk about Departed. I don't care about... Uh, can I come clean? I don't care about um, Leo and Marty together. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't. I don't hate it, no, but it's not my favourite. They're fine, but but I, let's. When people talk to me, I'm just like, oh, shut up. Like, let's just talk about the, the good stuff. Why are we? Bo- well, this guy's. He's just running down the clock. Okay. I think people who are all about The Departed haven't seen a lot of this stuff. Haven't seen. Other mobster movies, you know? Well, look, I wanted to talk about just quickly about, and this is something I talk about all the fucking time. But so Nicholas Pileggi, um, who wrote Wise Guy and wrote the book for this, they actually, interestingly, they wrote the screenplay. He came to Marty with the, with the, with the book idea he was writing. And Marty said, oh, no, let's write the screenplay first. So they wrote the screenplay. Well, now, and wrote, nowadays, it would be the other way around. You would release the book first, hoping it would be a bestseller or that it would do well. And yes. then, you, then you pitch the movie. Yes, well, that, well, that he says that that was traditionally what they would do anyway, because they wanted it to be. You want it to be out for a year, you know, of people reading it. And he goes, but, but anyway, so he went. Um, they went the a different way. But hearing this guy talk, Nicholas Pledgy is a big part of why these movies are great. Like him and Marty as well, because like, just the way they talk, Marty and him, and the way they talk, this fast talking, they that the, the images they and the stories they are. You know, we the, he Nicholas Pledgey talks about like you know he's met all these guys and the way they talk about killing a guy and all the funny stuff that happens when they kill guys and he's like one thing he says he he goes he goes yeah I thought about these guys he goes he goes they're great fathers you know they're great they're great guys they they they're, they're great this great friends he goes um, they just don't care about your pain he's 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 like they they care about their pain they they don't care about your pain and um, so I just am like, yet again fascinated by how you're how can you be a hollywood liberal like him and interested in crime and talking the way he talks and you know all of the stuff in this movie is offensive to everyone um so how can you be that guy now are you allowed to be that guy Mm. you know what i mean because because you'll say You'll say, um, you'll tell some story about a mobster and something he did. And then an intern would say some shit about needing to queer up the space or something about Latinxes. Yep. And the conversation's over. Like, that that chess move is death to interesting old liberals like like him and Manscorsese, who's who is, his silence is deafening, by the way. But, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm just fascinated by that. Like, because hey, like, this movie is a, is around because of... A guy like that who mm. went and talked to these interesting guys and brought their stories back. Whereas now you'd say, you know, where are the black and brown women in this movie? Mm. And and then it's game over. The movie's game over. Then we don't get we don't get the any of those great performances. We don't get Sharon Stone's performance. We don't get any of it. No. Help me, Yuri. Help me. <laughs> Times have changed. I mean, where do you... I, I... <laughs> What, el- what else is there left to say? <laughs> <laughs> you, you just want to say, look, man, just shut up, like, just get. No, on I mean, it. like we've 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 said it all. Like, yeah, it's it. it's You're it's right. um, 
It's fucking horrible. It's and a it, fucking it, shame. Crying it, shame. It sucks a big one. And I've been like, yeah, um, just I, I, I got stuck. So, you know, when, 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 we, uh, when we did our last podcast and, and um, Astro, you said someone had, had was giving uh, 90s movies like a bit of shit. You copped a bit of shit for yes, saying it was a... Yes. That is such horse shit because I've been going through a, a big 90s kind of retrospective of just anything 90s because it's so much better mm. than anything today. It's just, it's not, it's not even close. Again, and I mean, imagine going to the movies and seeing this. 1995, the megastars in this, the supporting cast, yet again, huge supporting cast of interesting people, powerhouses in their own right. The James was just there in the background. Um, yep. Hugh, a million dollars alone was spent on the costumes. You know, this is this is a huge deal. It's an adult film uh, with all of those rough edges in it. It's offensive. It's it's not trying to please anyone. It has no social redeeming value whatsoever, really. You know, it's a bummer. Mm. So, I don't get it. Like, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that silence we often talk about of these, these uh, you know, big, I guess you could call them legacy directors now, um, you know, people of Scorsese's sort of era, their silence, you know, they are pretty old. So, it's hard to know how engaged, and, and they might be fairly insular as well, how engaged yes. they are right. with what's happening out there in the culture because I'm sure Scorsese could probably get work, could probably get get films up and projects up based to solely on his name. So he might not have to run into this sort of diversity uh, sort of crap that's out there. So it's, it's, it's hard to tell. But it would be nice for someone big to come out and, you know, even just mention it. You know, it just it feels like he should, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you've had your day at the beach... And you know you're you're, you know, it's pretty much over. I think I think it, you owe something to uh, everyone else. He he could at least look at at uh, Steven Spielberg and go, "What the fuck is Latinx?" <laughs> you know, Something but he like would. That. They do it. They are saying that though. That's it. There's no way a guy <laughs> like Scorsese who speaks the way he speaks hangs out with the guy he, hung, he hangs out with, even though he's an artsy guy. Mm. There is no way. I mean, he was on coke and stuff. I'm pretty sure in the '80s and all that. There's no way he's sitting around now saying, "Anyway, um, I really want to do something for the Latinxes, you know, or the non-binaries, or the new one." The and I, I always struggle with this one. Philip Philippinex. Okay, all right. I'm not, going to I'm not engaging with that. Okay, okay. so uh, I got a question. So why does Frankie at the end in when he when Nikki and Dominic get killed in the cornfield, beaten to get death through. That's why is Frankie? Why does he hate Nikki so much? Mm. Yeah, that puzzled me. He, I've always he's no because he doesn't just say um, he doesn't professionally just kill him and so, like you know and go I'm getting it done. He's saying like you watch like you know and he's like really pissed at him like like is it is it because he had an affair with with uh, Ginger? I mean, that's they they do say that that's a, that's a big deal. I, I I think that there's a code, but I mean, he, he broke could the bro code. That. He could mention that, but also in the, the the reason he we get his voiceover was because of how important that question was when the old guys asked him, "Is is he mucking around with his wife?" 
and he breaks into his voiceover and he says, if I say the wrong answer, we're all dead. Great point. Great, great point. I, I didn't think of that. Yeah. So he actually, so Nikki risked his life mm. in that moment as well. And maybe that's him, you know, angry at him for, uh, for risking his life, for putting his life in danger. It got to the point when he walked into the place, he didn't know whether he was going to be kissed or killed. Frankie, I want to ask you something. It's private. But I want you to tell me the truth. Of course, Remo. I want you to tell me the truth, mind you. I always tell you the truth, Remo. Frankie, the little guy, he wouldn't be fucking the Jew's wife, would he? Because if he is, it's a problem. What could I say? I knew if I gave the wrong answer, I mean, Nikki, Ginger, Ace... All of them could have wound up getting killed. Because there's one thing about these old-timers. They don't like any fucking around with the other guy's wives. It's bad for business. So I lied. Even though I knew that by lying to Gaji, I could wind up getting killed too. I mean, that scene is 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 off the charts. I've, I've got to say, I, I find the violence really hard to take in this film. Like, I, I can't fucking, watch the vice. Fucking pussy. The vice. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, um... Did, That's did what this the, show's about, all right? Did the vice come across your trivia? No, it didn't actually. I, I had to stop reading. There was there is so much trivia out there about this movie. I just I had to call it a day. I'm like, I can't. It'd take up the whole fucking podcast, you know. So that that scene that was never meant to get through. That was in there, so the censors would have something to cut, so they would cut that and not the other scenes. Mm. And then it ended up getting through as well, and they went, all right, I guess it's in the movie. It's the most famous scene in the movie. Yeah, that is the movie. That, that 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 that's the movie. That's the scene where you know when people say, "Oh, what's that movie? That movie, that Vegas movie with the guy with the head in the vice." That's what that is. This movie. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's more horrible than the than the than the cornfields in a way. I mean, that is chilling. It's it's different though. It's different. There's something about that that head in the vice. It's so awful. Mm. They don't say what's the movie where they blow up a mannequin at the beginning. I love the mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> because it's you know it's there for too long. It has to be on purpose. There's it's, no way it could not be on purpose. I don't think it is. It's. Uh, I think because he's playing it, with it. He's because he doesn't get blown up. No, they're doing an old-fashioned um, Hollywood thing where it's just a total lie. Like she talk, Annie talks about it in Misery. She's like, hey, "You'd come back next week," and the character would like jump out of the car, and she hates that. Remember? I I think you're seeing what you want to see there. <laughs> I'm deeply offended. At that. I, I think they were hoping, given that a car's exploding, no one would notice. But it's down there for so. His mannequin's on there for about. It feels like an eternity. <laughs> but it's it's it only comes on as the explosion comes up. Yes, fair enough. And and because the explosion goes from the front of the car backwards, you're getting a few frames before it envelops the the, uh, yes. the mannequin. True. Only because it starts in the engine bay, that's the only reason it's up there for so long. It's not like it cuts to mannequin. There's a pause and then there's explosion. It's All it's right. a yeah. I defer to you two gentlemen. I love the Saul Bass credits, by the way. So do I. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. But the but the but I mean. I'm just fascinated because it's just some shots of lights and some flames, you know. But it's 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 perfect. Yeah, it's really good. I th I think I read that he got um, one hundred and ten thousand dollars to make that. Yeah. Um, so Sharon Stone, she is really good in this. 
Is, is she the best thing about this movie? I actually kind of thought she was the big takeaway from this from this viewing around. I think it's definitely. I'm just checking. Yeah, it's the only woman in the movie, so. Oh, there's other women. There are those dancers that get that get weighed. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there are those dancers. <laughs> or, right. or the showgirl that get, that gets um, the difference between grass-fed veal and milk-fed yes. veal explained to her on the way to the I car. I love the look of the showgirls. Mm. So tall. <laughs> Amazon, Amazonian. I've actually known some dancers that have worked on cruise ships and they they got weighed every fortnight. That, that actually is a thing, even still now, because it, it's those buffets, you know, it makes them porky real quick. Okay. Uh, yes, it does. I, I'm, I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> but back to Sharon Stone. <laughs> uh, wonderful performance. I think her best. Um, yeah. I think better. Like, I think a step above Basic Instinct. Mm, so and, um, yeah. And uh, and ugly. And also, completely not. Uh, like a hundred percent holding her own with De Niro and Pesci. Like, she said she talks about this. She says she wanted to be with the Titans. Yeah. Whereas now you'd say, I think I'm running the casino now. Well, again, <laughs> with that making of our watch, she uh, there's a quite a long interview with her, um, and it's like kind of a few years after the fact. Uh, she apparently hassled endlessly Scorsese to kind of keep pushing her, keep pushing her, keep pushing her, keep pushing her, and and. Like, um, and I think she ended up like really pissing him off in the end. And he's like, what do you want? She's like, I want you to push me further than I've ever gone. And he goes, okay, fine. And then he really started doing it. And then, and then she Franklin Gellis him. She says, yeah. he put well, his, she goes, she goes, Joe she put his hand on my leg and it wasn't yes, in the script. Yes. This movie is over. <laughs> no, Joe Pesci pushes her head onto his crotch. Mm, that yes. was not in the script. Um, no, she Probably she wasn't. started <laughs> after Marty started actually really pushing her hard on it. She like in retelling, she started tearing up. She was so happy that he started pushing her this hard and and you know going all in on with you know helping her go in on her performance. And she said you know th- there'd be so many scenes where. She'd ask him to be close and like in the phone booth where she's um, after they'd kidnapped the daughter with Lester Mm. and she's in the phone booth. Apparently, um, Scorsese was on the floor just out of frame. So, she felt kind of close to him and his input and things like that. Yeah, I read their holding hands. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, So, yeah, that, that was and, you know, that was her, the performance of her lifetime. Fuck actors are weird. Why, why, Why does she need all that? Would it really have made a difference? The performance probably would have been the same, you know? I mean, if it, if it, they are weird, so if they need that, they need that. But I, I think, like, like the, the mentality is so different than, like you were saying, than just looking to be offended today, looking to complain about something, looking to, to mm. you know, point fingers at someone. It's like, I mean, Jesus Christ, can it, can it be about the work again? Mm. Yes, well, um, some of my favourite bits, uh, lest I just keep bitching about how it all sucks today. Uh, what about, this is related because it's a ginger bit, but um, Lester's um, sort of love poetry to to ginger. Can you feel me? 
in your heart you feel me in your heart <laughs> what do you think of that it's actually it's it's a lot like sports uh love letter to, to jody foster in um iris in, in oh, taxi driver he's right. saying mad shit to her is when they're dancing and stuff mm. you know so it's just scamsters scam pimp mm. scamsters can you feel my eyes on you can you feel me look into your heart can you feel me in the pit of your stomach can you feel me in you in your heart don't make me come there answer me i love you but baby do you know that i love you too no lester do you know that this is the best thing I can do for my life right now. That's right. So it's going to be okay, isn't it? God, I wish you all the luck in the world. You do? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's the best thing you can do right now. I mean this. So you have real security. Sweetheart, you're going to be situated just right in Vegas. Come on, this is great for us. You know, I'm always going to be here for you. I ain't going no place. What I never fully appreciated until this viewing is when he's doing that, he's doing cocaine with a hooker. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yes. He, w- James Woods is a, deli- a delicious piece of shit in this film. You know, and what one thing that that uh, I found quite interesting is that he is so bad with Ginger's daughter. You see them. <laughs> you see them antagonizing each other in the car when Ginger's on the payphone to yep. Sam. And in an earlier scene, he like he yells in her face. I think yeah. when they when they're doing coke in front of her, and what great. is she? She's like nine years old or some shit, you know. Yeah, and there's bits where he he says to Ginger, oh, "She started it," and it's like, "No, you didn't." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> just just fully gets brought down to to the child's level. Well, that's that's in my trigger uh, in my that's in my trivia. Sharon Stone encouraged Erica mm. von Tagen, the child actress, to annoy James Woods constantly great stuff that's awesome all right well come on just give me a give me a round table of some of your favorite things a grab bag come on uh i i really respect a man who wants an equal number of blueberries in each muffin <laughs> that's what i will say okay we we've been doing that line for over a decade <laughs> don't you know how long that's going to take yeah great stuff uh, well, I, I love anything with James Woods in it, and everything with Sharon Stone is really good. All the scenes, like I, I think that the film, the film's almost like two, two in one. Like once you get over that hour or so of voiceover, and it starts to be a bit more about Ginger and 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 Sam and their relationship and how that kind of just degrades and goes off the rails like that's what i enjoy the most about the film is the tail end of that well let's probe this you know let's probe this is the here's the bigger question is the film poorly structured is it is it weighted incorrectly in this way does it does it come off as cobbled together in the edit rather than uh you know expertly crafted i i would probably lean towards yes uh i'm not sure that to me that's quite a good explanation i i I think the, the first half, they're just pushing the style too hard as opposed to... Uh, I do think it's still expertly done. So, um, you know, even though it's endless, it's it's all wonderful. Like, all that voiceover is great. 
um, all those stylistic things are great, but it's it's just kind of too much of them. And I, I think you just um, you just don't feel a real connection when you don't sit with these characters for long enough. You, you don't you don't feel you don't get close to them. You don't kind of get on their side as much as you do, like saying Goodfellas. Like uh, I, I think we may have brought it up in a previous podcast. He manages to get us to to um, in Goodfellas to really feel sorry for Henry Hill at the end of the movie because he now has to stop being a gangster criminal and he now has to live like everyone else and you feel really bad for him but it, mm. I think it's like a testament to how much time you spend with him uh, but in this one you just you don't you don't kind of get that connection until um, like you said Ricky until kind of the, the second half of the movie so the first half is almost the, the like a preamble or something but they they're, they're just trying to tell such a big story with all these different facets and do so much world building that yeah you lose out on some of that connection i think should should this be should this have been cut up and and been like the godfather part 1 and 2 casino part 1 and 2 you know it's it's a big enough it's a big enough world for for that to happen i think the material's there it's hard to say I don't know. Like, I, then I, you could have Casino Part Three, and and that could be like Donald Trump could be in it. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Well, Donald Trump is the the people they're talking about at the end of the movie. I know. Yeah. He's the guy who takes over. But yeah. Uh, yeah, look, I don't know. Like, I think now we we're drifting into. Look, I mean, it's a it is a it's a it's a trouble troubling film. It's brilliant, better than everything else. So let's get that out of the way. Um, endlessly watchable funny beautiful to look at but there's just something uh gnawing at you um that's not quite resolved it does maybe it's come off too hot off the heels of goodfellas but then again the irishman which i don't know if either of you have watched uh, i managed to check that little little number out and i think it's worth just considering it in relation to because you meant to i guess look at it as mean streets is the hoods and then you've got Goodfellas, and then it's Casino, and The Irishman, which deals with a sort of a, um, a a coda of 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 this lifestyle. And there is some stuff, um, you know, there are crossovers in The Irishman between this story, in, in in a way, the Teamsters and yeah, I finally understood what the Teamsters union was and how they could give loans to casinos. Well, this the skim is the is this movie, and if when you are a dumb kid watching it or just someone who's not paying attention. You, you don't understand you're like oh like but but that's but that's the whole point the whole point is it's 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 money secured from the teamsters union pension fund the 62 million which is run by andy stone in this movie uh they get a front man philip green to be the face of it uh but the real power is is andy uh, from the teamsters and uh, the mob back in chicago uh who put the crew inside the count room run by john nance who uh, begin to steal more so that's like the whole beating heart of the of the of the scam you know so there's a bit of a crossover there but um you know do maybe do, do, yuri just quickly with you know you don't want to ruin it for for ricky but you know wh- how does this stack up with with the irishman um look the uh pacino's performance in the irishman was great apart from that the irishman can suck my fat one. Oh, god so so um vulgar yeah just <laughs> so i shouldn't watch it then i mean well, y- but you need you to but you, but you need to watch it to know what you're looking at here 
You know what I mean? Like you need to like I, I'm I'm not as harsh on the Irishman as, as as you are, although I do see it's many many flaws. Um, there are parts that I think are superior to 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 Casino. A few things, a couple of things, you know. Uh, but everything else in Casino just is you, you just I guess what the the first thing that's obvious is that. The guy who made Casino, the, 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 the creative powerhouses, the trio, the triumvirate of uh, Pesci, De Niro, and Scorsese, and Pelleggi, I guess, um, they're not fucking old. They're not fucking old. So they're, they're, they might be all in their, they might be 50 or even late 50s or whatever, but they, they've just, they're ferocious. They are, they've got fucking, they are kicking ass and taking names. Like they are not playing around. Like just, they, they're throwing this camera around. Pesci is throwing his whole body into those kicks. He's kicking whatever. And just his whole body is going, you know, like it's just like... And De Niro is just absolutely on point. So, such a fucking pedant, you know, like he just will not like give an inch. It must be very hard to act opposite him. Like, you know, when he's like that, just he's just does not give an inch, you know, but... Whereas the Irishmen, they just come across as silly old fools mm. and they don't have it. They just can't hack it no more. <laughs> you know, <laughs> simple. And, and talking about kicking, um, yeah, seeing a late 70s De Niro CG to look like, I don't know, in his 40s, but, you know, trying to kick someone, but still moving like a man who's almost 80. Mm was well couldn't they have ridiculous. got couldn't they have got a stunt yes double guy and just yes. put de niro's i mean if they're going the to all that network, trouble they did that in the social network army hammer's character they I mean, proposed him the whole thing of, of the de-aging it was uh, i i just didn't buy any of it i didn't see the need for any of it so what do you think if, if, the, if the irishman was done in like the year 2000 would that have been different I mean, it's still very long and very boring. <laughs> That's you know, a good um, and and it 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 doesn't it doesn't get going until um, a while after Pacino rocks up, right? And then I think it and then it kind of starts getting good and then goes back down again okay. for like a very long ending. So without without spoiling anything, Ricky, do, do you know the bit? Don't worry, I won't say it. You're not going to bother. So, you, you, so <laughs> Astro not. with you know after that assassination, mm. after that it it lost it again for me. Okay. It was kind of getting good into the, to the lead up and then lost it. I would just say I think the point of the movie is to deal with what the other movies don't deal with, and that is a a very quiet um, and long and lonely death. Mm. You know, and I think the movie just will get off the Irishman in five seconds. But the fact that the movie is filled with random references to how people died in the scene, like their, mm. their future, how their future death, it's a movie about death and how it closes out. And the best scene in it is, is, is De Niro like just falling on the ground, like with his, with his fucking crutches or whatever. And you just go, it's that's the scene of the movie. I just go, oof. Mm. That's how it all ends. Whereas this movie, Casino, is it's spectacular. Like the guy, like like Nikki gets bashed to death with bats. Like why didn't Awful. they just fucking shoot him? Yeah. I guess they wanted to make a a statement, but to who? The, the only guys who saw it were the guys who were there. So they're relying on the guys who were there to tell the story. 
That's just what I was about to say. But I, I guess, you know, there was a few of them there. So it would get out. That story that, is getting out. It is getting out, I guess. But I, I feel like that's, that's pivotal, that scene, you know, because I've been thinking about this more and more. Um, I guess because I was just overwhelmed. When, you, when, you're, when you're a sub-27 man or a young man or whatever, you just, you, I'm going to throw it out there. Unless you're a certain kind of guy, I, I don't think you've got the emotional intelligence to, to take in yeah, the effects of violence and what the deal is. That's why the jihadis don't, they don't care. They don't, mm. They're just not equipped for it. It's later on that you start to put the whole story of humanity together. And when Nikki, you know, is, is just crying out for his brother and he just, he's broken, you know what I mean? Like, and he's begging and stuff. Like, that to me is, is, is the humanity of it, you know? Um, he's suddenly human. Like, they do this in Hostel as well. A great question is asked in Hostel... You know, the three guys in Hostel are such assholes um, who go on the trip. But the question is, you know, how, how much do you have to torture someone before it doesn't matter anymore, before they're a human? And, and I think this is a perfect example. All the stuff he did, it doesn't matter at the end of the day because he doesn't deserve that. Like, it's the most horrible thing watching his family member. He loves that guy, you know what I mean? Loves his loves his brother. And, um, and you have to watch him go and then... He just gets horribly killed and turned into a latex robotine monster man. You know? Anyway. It's a downer. Sorry to bring it down. Now we're going to do something extremely fun. We're going to play a wonderful game called Who is my daddy and what does he do? All right. So um, a lot of the times when we would watch movies like this in our youth, we would look for father figures. So I'm going to present ricky and astro choices for who they would rather have as their dad from the uh from the movie so first up james woods as lester diamond <laughs> i'm so glad <laughs> number one on. pros stylish suave poetic ladies man totally not a pedo cons He's been Ginger's pimp since she was 14, so totally probably a pedo. <sighs> One of the slimiest characters in cinema. Uh, broke, drug addicted, and fucking terrible with kids, as Ricky, you've already pointed out. Okay. Uh, another option, Robert De Niro as Sam Ace Rothstein. Pros, driven, dedicated, capable, meticulous, analytical, revolutionary so and apparently this is all based on real life like a lot of the kind of things um like the new features he put into the casino made shitloads of money and were then copied by other casinos so really revolutionized the the casino industry um and all of this has made him very very wealthy uh cons terrible juggler just not very good at juggling uh, and his vanity and his pride get the better of him and terrible taste in women. And then, of course, Joe Pesci as Nicky Santoro. Pros, uh, one way or another, he's going to beat up the other dads. So that's usually, you know, an important thing. Can my dad beat up your dad? And, you know, we have the voice over explaining that no matter what you do to Nicky, if you don't kill him, he's coming back. Uh, so, yep, uh, Capable, good leader, great father. So we've got that scene where no matter what, he makes pancakes for his son. And he does well with the ladies. 
uh, cons, ruthless murderer, very short fuse, and very short. And since uh, Ricky is a bit of a size queen, he's asked that we put heights in uh, Who's Your Daddy. Important. It's important. Uh, cool. To some more than others, but anyway, okay. So, I didn't ask for this. Uh, less the Diamond, 5'11", or 180 centimetres tall. Okay. Uh, Sam Rothstein, 5'9", or 1.75 metres tall. And Nikki Santoro is 5'3", or 1.6 metres. Mm. So... Mm. Oh, God, Rick is tough, eh? Mm. Well, you know, it would be hard to turn down Lester, right? (laughs) Well, I mean, (laughs) he's... uh, Yuri made a a compelling case, but, uh, yeah, I I just don't know. I mean, you know, it's a a tricky one. I mean, he is motivated, but I don't know. He He does seem to be... Dripping in clunge somehow. <laughs> I think it's just paying for it. I think it's just yes. Hookers or hookers is pimping. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if we can do Lester, but um, it's a shame because he's got something. But um, Sam, I, I feel like Sam is almost on the straight and narrow. You know, like the way he approaches it. I know he's. Uh, I know he's into illegal shit, but I think he would. Would be the one most likely to cross over into a uh, yeah, but Nikki is a better dad, a way better dad. He's there every day, and you're never going to see any of the violence or any of that. That's all good. He, he we see him at the baseball, the pancakes. He never snaps at his kid. Mm. You know, he never does any of that. Um, True. Whereas Sam, we only see him with his kid like twice, mm. maybe. We do. I, don't, I feel like we don't have enough information for Sam. You know, we don't see him with his kid enough. He he cares about the casino though. He's never he's, he didn't say he he didn't say I left the casino every day at nine to go home. He's he's working eighteen hour days. Yeah. He's not home. True. Terrible no, he's, uh, mm. Nick is definitely the better father. Uh, but I think uh, Ricky. I think Sam is doing everything he can to be legal. Uh, so I think that's what he says. That that's part of what he says to the to the bosses and to Ricky he says he wants it to be legit. He wants it all to be legal. So the only thing, and it's not even technically illegal is that his lack of a, of a license, mm. which he brings up at the very beginning. And they said, you don't need a license. You just need to have applied for a license. And he goes, you don't want to come along with me? He goes, no, I don't want to come along with you. Yeah. I don't want, yeah. I don't want to come along with you. He just wants to run a legit joint. He wants to run yes. a straight up joint. Yeah. You're walking around here like fucking John Barrymore with a, you know, <laughs> cigarette holder. Uh, yeah, look, I, I'm, I think I'm going to go with Nikki. I think he'd be great. I'm in. Yeah. I'm all in. Yeah. I think you are making a compelling argument there. I think Nikki is the uh, better father. Great. All right. We got Nikki. Mm. Great. We're brothers. Look at that. We're, we are brothers. Isn't that nice? It need, needs to be some sort of celebration that we become brothers when we, when we pick the guy. But also, so the height didn't matter. I, I told you I didn't bring up the height. Oh, matters a little bit. It does. <laughs> it just does. <laughs> All right. So uh, let me hit you guys with some uh, trivia. Uh, this was Sol Bass's last title sequence. I think yeah. he died not long after this, maybe, or maybe he just didn't do anymore. Um, so most of the conversations between De Niro and Pesci were improvised. Scorsese would tell them where to start and where to end, and the rest was up to them. Um, 
So the casino scenes were shot at the Riviera between 1am and 4am, so as not to get in the way of real gamblers. Uh, But the casino, uh, they didn't want the shoot to interrupt its business, but at the same time, they tried to use uh, the fact that casino was being shot there to lure in more punters. So they put a large banner up outside saying, Robert De Niro, Sharon Stone, Joe Pesci, filming the new movie Casino Inside. So they were hoping that would bring more people in. But I thought casinos were a 24-hour deal. Like, Yeah. Yeah, they didn't actually close down the casino, but they just shot during those quieter periods. Ah, okay. And I think that shot of the old people coming in at the end, I think that's legit customers coming into the Riviera. Oh, my God. Yeah. That, that, that's the real crowd. Yeah. Mm. I love I love Las Vegas, by the way. I just don't like it for the reasons that they, they want you to like it. Mm. Uh, this one's for the ladies. The costume budget for the film was $1 million. Robert De Niro had 70 different costumes throughout the film. Sharon Stone had 40. And both were allowed to keep their costumes afterwards. So do you think De Niro would be wearing those suits around? I don't know. I don't know. I quite like some of them. I'm like, ooh. Maybe I never noticed how it, he does get a lot more flamboyant, doesn't he? He does. Like yeah. it does over the time. He but does but it does go into the... It dips into the 80s, right? It doesn't... Yes. Yeah, so... 82 is where we finish. Yeah, it's a more flam, flamboyant era. As his character kind of gets more and more flamboyant as well. Mm. Mm. So when James Woods heard that uh, Martin Scorsese was interested in working with him, Woods called his office and he left the following message. Anytime... Any place, any part, any fee. There you go. What a sport. It's yeah. a shame he's been cancelled now. Has he? Yeah, he's he's sort of um, been out at his right wing, so that's mm. it for him. Well, he was, it was only after Elon bought Twitter that he was allowed back on. Yes. He was, he was, uh, he was, he was one of the cancelled. Yeah. Yes, oh, really? Yeah. 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 Uh, the producer said one of the most difficult things about filming... Uh, this movie was was actually finding people who would tell them how to cheat in the casino because mm-hmm. oh, they have yes. a number of those guys that are cheating but they, they found it hard to find that information two more pieces of trivia here the F word is said 435 times including in the narration that's uh, 2.4 times per minute on average the film held the record for the most uses of the word until the release of uh, Summer of Sam 1999 which also had uh, 435 uses. The record was later broken by The Wolf of Wall Street 2013, which had close to 600 F-bombs. Fuck. There you go. (laughs) Uh, The gangster gasping for breath as he's buried at the end, so that's that's Nicky's brother, is played by uh, an animatronic. Hmm. Yeah. I quite like the... Dust coming out of its mouth, mm, like you know, it's gross. Very good, Ricky. Well, uh, I think it's probably time for some locker room talk. Oh, hang on. I, I've, I've got a few more bits of trivia for you guys. Go uh, <laughs> on, please. This is exactly what Ricky was talking about. We the, get to uh, the, uh, the old bosses, non-actors, all of them. They're great. All of them. Are all great. quote unquote <laughs> from the neighbourhood, right? Who then it, went on to have some careers afterwards in acting. They've got great lines like. like uh, leakage my balls. Mostly real dealers and pit bosses, like a lot of those were real guys. Yeah, real cops as well, like the guys that come to the house to 
the, for the disturbance call when Sharon Stone is like ramming the house. Apparently, those guys are real cops too. They seem real. Yeah. There's so many people who seem real in this. Yeah. That was locker room talk. Uh, I'm not proud of it, but it is things that people say. Uh, the locker room talk for tonight, gentlemen. Okay, all right. Just a few things for you here. Uh, and here it is, the boys club. What a time to be alive for cishet men. Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, James Woods, Don Rickles, Kevin Pollack, Frank Vincent, and on. You might think that this is an incredible cast of powerhouses who bring authenticity, gravitas, and even pathos to this epic. You'd be wrong. Thankfully, steps have been put in place to make sure this never happens again. When this film is remade, me and my comrades will ensure that this cast is given a healthy dose of equity and inclusion. Sam Ace Rothstein will be played by Jennifer Lopez or Michelle Yeoh. Nikki Santoro will be offered to uh, Viola Davis because racism. Uh, and sure, uh, these pale male and stale men uh, can be in the movie uh, in roles in which they are schooled by these supernaturally more competent females. And don't hit me with all this, it's a period piece based on factual material. To that I say, hashtag be kind and fuck off. <laughs> boys will be boys. I see no need to harp on about the violence in any way because uh, this is a simply a, a case of the most violent individuals uh, focusing on each other. These pigs uh, simply took a break from oppressing LGBTQ plus people to focus, um, you know, on... On each other for once. Uh, also, uh, the crime here isn't that someone's head was put in a vice. It's that Sam Rothstein engaged in discrimination when he had that showgirl fired for gaining weight. Beautiful at any size. Uh, of course, there's no trans representation. Furthermore, much has been made of Sharon Stone's Golden Globe winning performance, uh, where she stands toe-to-toe -to -toe with some of the most powerful men in the history of the cinema. Well, I'll remind you... Uh, as I just said, no trans representation in this film, and, and that is now uh, a casual erasure of an entire people. I've already engaged ILM to rectify this matter. The plan is to hire a proud trans woman. Uh, a woman. I'm sick, of, I'm sick of using the language of the impressors. When I say woman from now on, I'm talking about women with dongs and, and, and WSDs to refer to the other lot. Women sans dongs. So we're going to hire a woman... That's a woman with the dong. And shoot her on a green screen doing all the lines. And we're going to replace Sharon Stone, the WSD. Because the only way I can see to achieve my progressive utopia is to see that women are replaced by the people who we all know are inherently better at everything. Men. Here, here. Okay. <laughs> Um, I think that um, it's telling that the only major representative of the sex industry uh, dies broke and alone from a hot dose in a hotel room when we all know that sex work is real work and that focusing on these isolated cases where women experience a harrowing spiritual uh, then actual death is is quite unfair uh ginger it, it is might also create um sex work hesitancy <laughs> yes it will create <laughs> sex work hesitancy and that's not something we need to do Ginger um, is also a great mother, and in order to uh, go and hang out with her, her, her boyfriend, um, uh, she ties her daughter, uh, Amy, to the bedposts. And since ch children are a hindrance to the Slay Queen lifestyle, I, I see no problem here. Uh, they're also a waste of resources and only serve to hurt um, Gaia. Uh, so let's not waste time talking um, about um, neglect or anything like that. 
Uh, and finally, I mean, this is this really sticks out. This movie features a couple of scenes in which Nikki Santori receives what I think Yuri is termed a blowjob, uh, using his hand to force the woman's head to his crotch. I took this not as perfectly encapsulating Nikki's character and worldview, but rather as a subtle signal from Martin Scorsese that this is how all women, including Michelle Obama, should be treated. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so that's what I took out of it. Uh, anything else? I think that's about it. I think that the, the biggest crime is that it's so white, I think. <laughs> you know? It is very white. Then again, it, Italians get the short end of the straw, don't they? They get no, you know. Munsko says he once he dies, you will never be able to make a movie about like about the Italian uh, American community ever again. This is the last, the, the last one. Mm. You reckon your brains, Yuri? Anything? I got, I got nothing. Although you, you just kind of brought me back to to disliking the Irishman, like in a movie pretty <laughs> much about the mob. Don't don't go there. We've done that. So how toxic is it? That's that's what we want. Is it full toxicity or not? Well, I, well, well uh, think about it logically. Like you know, all of the stuffs in it. Like what would any of these people, these Guardian people, and all that, would they ever watch this? Oh, I suppose because the thing is, De Niro, I think, is a bit woke. I mm, think, yeah, a little bit. I think, I think so. so. Yeah. So that might be one of those things where you'd go, oh, like he's a bit woke, and oh, what a powerful film! That's a, that's yeah. what you say. Like when you when you give a free pass to a film because you like the politics that you say, oh, what a powerful and, and, and challenging film. I, I think I think people would latch on to Sharon Stone's performance, and that would that would get it through. They'd, be they'd like, say, oh, like you know, she's a she's a slay queen. It was, you know, a brave performance, a raw performance, brave. you know. And it is all those things. It is very good. Yeah. I'm not taking anything away from it. But um, I think that would make it acceptable to them. I just feel like on another level, because that there's a group of people who would like films like this to go away. Yeah, my wife. I definitely thought, <laughs> think they'd, they'd want it to go away. So even though Sharon Stone's performance is great, and I think her character is great, her character is at the end quite negative though mm. so she, she ends up being punished a horrible punished. bitch a terrible mother you know so it's no no it's all for it, but you people would say the patriarchy forced her into that yeah and that yeah it was the invisible hand of mm. what this or that that forced her and she was and she's being punished on screen for being a woman or something mm. yeah so, but don't you think that like, because the guys who watch this movie the most, apart from us, are MMA loving guys. You think so? They love it. Really? They would definitely love this movie, right? Man cave guys, MMA guys, like they just, they'd be all about it. Normal guys, right? I guess so. I mean, I think, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think so. It's got enough violence for it. Yeah. Because all that, those guys love Scarface. Yes, they do. Mm. So, yeah. I don't know. Look, I, I think it's I think it's toxic. Yeah. Full toxic. I do. Yep. All 
right, so uh, I'll run through these reviews very quickly. Janet Maslin of the New York Times said the film's journalistic approach resulted in no uh, conveniently sharp focus, a plot built like a centipede and characters with lives too messy to form conventional dramatic arcs. Regardless, she praised Sharon Stone, saying she will be nobody's idea of Hollywood fluff after this spectacular, emblematic performance. Brave, stunning, mm. courageous. Yes, yes. Uh, Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune gave the film two and a half stars out of four, writing Casino is a sometime dazzling, often disappointing film from the great Martin Scorsese, who too often seems like he's replaying his greatest hits with this picture and not to the best effect. Roger Ebert, uh, he gave the film four complete stars, stating that uh, Martin Scorsese's fascinating new film, Casino, knows a lot about the mafia's relationship with Las Vegas. Like The Godfather, it makes us feel like eavesdroppers in a secret place. Mm. Very yeah. good. Yep, well, final word, Yuri. What, 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 what did you reckon? I mean, I still love this movie, and it's still great. Just, I think, a bit, a bit overdone, so... I think pushed the style too far in this one, pulled the style back way too much in The Irishman, absolutely fucking nailed it in Goodfellas. I mean, I would just put a bow on that by saying, Goodfellas, that's, that's, that's it. Yeah. It's over. Like, that's his, that's his contribution. Good, Taxi Driver's great. Goodfellas is a masterpiece. Goodfellas is, I think that's the best thing he's ever done, and it's more than... It's it's one of the best movies ever made, um, and I don't think we give Ray Liotta enough credit. Mm. You notice that Ray Liotta is in that movie. Like, what happened to that guy? Well, he's dead now. Oh, but um, fairly recently. But he is the he's what's missing, you know, in these other movies. I think because we really latch on to Henry in that movie, and um, yeah, no, it's just like it's it's trend setting and. Yeah, it's the beginning and end of the of the mob movie, mm. and then Casino. It's like they didn't get the memo; they were just like, "Oh yeah, check out this." And you go, "Whoa, it's a lot." What do we got next month? Get this. I've been racking my brains. I thought we've covered a lot. We've we we, we you know we've obviously done we've done the gangster. We've done we've done cops. We've done a lot of cops actually. Uh, I think we did Under Siege at some point. We do we've done you know Bloodsport, Kung Fu, Kung Fu. And I have come up with the perfect film to do next in an, in an arena we haven't spent enough time in because we just did White Man Can't Jump, which was which was sports. Get this, The Doors. How good's that? Yep, love it. Never seen it. This is great. This is great. That, really? Well, well, that's fantastic. Um, so, The Doors. Um, I just think it's perfect. Like we're talking about men, masculinity, what it means to be a man, all that stuff. You know, let's do it. Let's mm. do it. And again, I just cannot get out of the nineties. I am trapped forevermore. Another another opulent film as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's the where I think we're drawn to these that era where it was where we were getting these 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 extravagant um, big yeah movies made by great male narcissists. You know, yeah. and. Um, it, we just don't get it anymore. We get, we get these. It's all um, atomized. These tiny little bites on Netflix. Even like you know, when they do it, they fuck it up. Like they get Mud Scorsese to do the Irishman, and then it's the Irishman, mm. you know, on Netflix. So 
Anyway, I'm pumped. This is going to be great. Oliver Stone, the doors. Let's do it. All right. Very good. Well, we said what we said. Did we not? Did. Yep. Mm. Excellent. Well, till next time, don't be a pussy. Don't be a pussy. Don't be a pussy. Oh, hold it. App, app is not focused. Hold it. Uh, how do I sound? Do I sound all right? Yeah. You want, you want to slap it? Slap it. That's good. Okay. I, I think I do hear music in the background. That yeah. is my neighbor. So mm-hmm. you better hope you like, hope it's music you like because you're hearing it. Okay. He's playing the Yaz flute. On, on, on. Sounds like Miles Davis. Well, anyway. Welcome to mm, touch that mic. Welcome to Mano a Mano. Uh, we're me- oh, I'll start again, eh? <laughs> <laughs> gotta be focused. <laughs> gotta be fucking focused. It's all that jazz. Oh shit! What the fuck is Latinx? <laughs> <laughs>